up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running through my... How does this go again? My head. <laughs> but mostly role-playing games, I promise. Because <laughs> sometimes I forget how the intro goes. I got a real mishmash of an episode today here, folks. These are a few bits and bobs that I've recorded over the past few days. Plus, with a couple awesome calls from some super rad folks. We got calls from Colin Spike Pit Green. We got messages from Carl the Geomologist Presents Rodriguez. And we got messages from Jason Nerds RPG Variety Cast Connor Lee. Uh, and we're going to touch on all types of topics. We're going to talk about playing in character. We're going to talk about puzzles. We're going to talk about uh, things I've been learning. Why I never fear the robot apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, we're going to get crunchy deep down into the rules of Pathfinder, all kinds of stuff. So let's let's do it. Let's just get into it. Let's start off with some calls from Mr. Spike Pitt. What's up, dude? Hi, Joe. I've come outside to do a little bit of recording for you. I hope you can pick up the bird song in the background. <laughs> I'm not going to let that old Rob over in Japan have all the fun. Throwing a curveball at you. I'm colouring outside the lines a little bit with regard to the discussion on, well, you might call it metagaming. In this instance, I think of it a little bit more as this discussion of in game knowledge and uh, like character knowledge and player knowledge, and then this idea of player skill. For me, when I come to the table, I'm picking up on the thread that you were laying out there for me a player skill is uh, and this has always been the case about how I play my character my role when I think about RPGs one of the things that attracts me is the idea that I'm rising to the challenge um, I like to try and play sort of different characters and and push my push the envelope of what I've done in the past and keep ringing the changes can I play this sort of character will that be successful can I put aside what I know as a player and and, and try and empathize with my character I find that really fascinating and enjoyable and totally appreciate that that's not for everyone and I think I'm doing it because I like the variety and I sometimes wonder if if I'm not playing to the character and I'm always using my own intelligence, say my own wisdom, am I missing out on some subtlety there? Anyway, take care, mate. Catch you later. And not take care, not catch you later. I'm totally pulling a Richter. Pulling a Richter, by the way, that is when you say you're done and you're not really done at all. It doesn't matter because um, this is an extra message just in case you lose one of the other messages you could perhaps just throw this one in uh, as a as a bit of a replacement i i don't know if that's going to work or not but at least you can lose this one and not feel bad joe all right don't say i don't look after you mate now officially take care i'll catch you later or is it i would never for one second say that you don't take care of me colin ever dude ever that was awesome. Those messages are actually perfect timing because at time of recording, 
I just finished uh, recording a segment for an upcoming episode of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast, where him and I, where Jason and I talk about playing in character and talking in first person and what that means for the game and getting into the game and all that stuff. So yeah, you're what you're talking about is right in line with what we were talking about. So everyone keep an ear out for that. Who knows when that'll drop, but yeah, I like to play different characters too. And you know, cause if you're always, if you're always using your own player knowledge, you're in a sense, always playing the same character. And we're all always in a sense playing the same character because we're always ourselves playing different characters. So it all does tie back to us, but I don't know. For me, there's just I can get into the character more if I'm not thinking about all the other stuff that I already know and trying to keep my knowledge to what the player would know. So, and and that also kind of touches on <laughs> the discussion I just had with Jason because he was asking what I felt about player knowledge of the wider world and is it a barrier to entry for a player with no knowledge of say galarian the pathfinder world to play pathfinder and no not not at all but you know because you got to think about how much would your character actually know living in that world given the parameters and truths of the world what would they actually know you know, they would know more than real life medieval people knew about the wider world just because of magic, because teleportation exists, because spells like sending exists, like communication was a lot easier, a lot broader. People travel more in the fantasy world. So you would definitely know more about what's going on in the world but not as much as say like we do today about what's going on in the world as a whole and we really don't we hear stuff but who knows how much of that is true but yeah so that's why i you know i'm right there with you man i like to i like to play my characters as if they're the ones in the world not me in the world so yeah, dude. Thanks for the call and thank, thanks for the bonus message. Just in case, <laughs> just in case I delete another message. At least I recognize I deleted it. That counts for something. And Menion was kind enough to uh, to call back and explain what he was talking about. So, but thank you for the bird song. I did hear it in the background. I totally did. Yeah, man. So let's. Um, what's next? Let's talk a little bit about, let's get into some nitty gritty. We talked about, you know, the lore of Pathfinder for a bit right there, but let's get into some nitty gritty. Last episode, I talked about how my character in the Curse of the Crimson Throne game took some negative levels and uh, Jason, he's got questions about that. So let's get, let's get crunchy. Hey, Drew, Jason again. You know, my car says it's 10 degrees out. Minus 12 degrees Celsius. I know that's nothing to our friends in the Midwest and probably in other places across the globe. But, you know, in, in my advanced age, 10 degrees is pretty damn cold. And that's 10 degrees Fahrenheit for 
those of you that aren't in the sunny U.S. And, um, yeah, I'll be happy when winter's gone. Anyhow, what I wanted to say is that negative levels in Pathfinder. So for all your listeners that aren't familiar with Pathfinder, okay, just me. So just for me, explain how negatives level levels work in Pathfinder. So in AD&D, if you get level drained, which I assume is the equivalent of negative levels, then you lose that many experience points, you lose everything for that level, and you have to regain that level. But it sounds like negative levels work a little bit differently in Pathfinder. So can you break that down for us? I would really appreciate that. I can and happily will explain how negative levels in Pathfinder work because I'd be willing to bet that the majority of my listeners aren't all that familiar with Pathfinder, though some of you are. I see you out there, Carl. Uh, But okay, so first off, I want to point out that there is a different in the nomenclature, right? It's no longer called level drain. It's now called negative levels, which are given to a character by attacks called energy drain that certain monsters and spells have. And you don't lose experience points because you're not technically losing a level. You're gaining a negative level. The The difference is there. It's subtle, but it's there. And so what, what happens is you get a whole slew of penalties, and the penalties are cumulative. So for every negative level you possess, you get uh, a minus one penalty to your saving throws, attack rolls, skill checks, and ability checks. You also lose five hit points from your current hit points and five hit points off of your maximum hit points, which totally sucks. Lastly, uh, if you're a spellcaster, you you lose one level of spellcasting ability per negative level. So say Templeton was a wizard. He'd say he's a fifth level wizard. He took three negative levels, which meant he would only be casting spells as a second level wizard until he got those negative levels taken care of through magical means. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. Um, so that means there might even be certain spells because as a second level wizard, he would not be able to cast second level spells. So he would be stuck just casting first level spells. So they suck, but you don't have to regain all those experience points. You just have to find the right magic. And so that brings us to how you get rid of negative levels. There are two types of negative levels. There are temporary and permanent negative levels. Most effects and spell, <clears throat> excuse me, most attacks and effects and spells count as permanent, but some are temporary. And the only difference is with temporary negative levels, you get a new saving throw each day to get rid of it. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. There is a slight discussion and debate on whether or not you get an initial saving throw to resist the negative level the wording there is very this is where a gm and pathfinder needs to make a ruling there are whole forum threads on if you get an initial saving throw because the the wording is kind of tricky so i generally say yes but a lot of other people say no. But anyway, anyway, that's the difference. So to get rid of them, you need to get uh, 
at least a restoration spell, which you need a seventh level cleric or some sort of divine spellcaster to cast. So it takes some solid magic to get rid of it, at least a seventh level spellcaster. Um, and then one last thing about negative levels, which I actually just learned, was that uh, I knew that if you're if you have negative levels equal to your total level, you die instantly. It doesn't matter how many hit points you have. You just die. But you can't be resurrected until those negative levels go away. You can't be resurrected if you have negative levels equal to the level you were when your character died. And those negative levels don't go away when you die, except from magic. So that's pretty gnarly. If Templeton would have died from energy drain he would not have been able to been resurrected <laughs> unless until they got rid of those negative levels so that is nuts man Ugh. that's but that's the difference it's no longer a level drain you're no longer losing something you're just getting a whole bunch of negatives <laughs> so hopefully that cleared it up for everybody um and yeah, let, let's talk about some games now. Some puzzles. I like puzzles. Puzzles are fun. Just some players don't like them. Or like, I was shocked. I was talking to one of my friends who, remember that infamous Tomb of Annihilation game? I was talking to one of my friends who was playing it. And he's like, I feel, he said, I'm pretty sure that people were looking up answers to some of the puzzles, like going on you know, actual play or the Reddit or whatever and looking up the answers to the puzzles because he's like, they got them pretty quickly or there was a pause and then they said something, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was kind of, you know, he was, that player was suspicious. I, I was trusting the players and felt that, oh, wow, that's kind of cool that you figured out the answer to that riddle. Hmm. Well, you know, some, some of them were pretty easy, like in Tomb of Annihilation, like how to arrange the, the blocks to open the door. Um, but to others, uh, as you have heard, probably uh, are not so easy. So there. And I think that was really something that was kind of fun and cool in these older, um, older classic dungeons like the Hidden Shrine of Tamachuan and White Plume Mountain, Tomb of Horrors being very notable. But even like some that came about in the dungeon magazines, there's infamous one called the mud sorcerer's tomb which one is, is one of the best adventures uh in a poll or dungeon magazine that paizo did when they had the uh, property uh way back um right before you know at the end of three five the beginning of uh pathfinder stuff and uh yeah mud sorcerer's tomb and they actually redid it or did a, a hack for 5e so it'd be interesting i've never read that one i've only read the, the ad and d version um, but it looked uh, pretty cool uh, be pretty fun to run, and I had a plan to run it in one of my games, uh, but uh, maybe one of these days. I love those kind of things. It's fun to uh, test player skill. Dude, Carl, Tomb of the Mud Sorcerer sounds awesome, man. It's crazy when I think about how long Paizo's been around. It, I mean, they've been putting out stuff for over over 20 years now, easy. And that, that's, that's pretty nuts, man. <laughs> like, if you think about it, where they came from, what they are now, it's, it's an amazing story. Talk about, like, your indie making it big. Yeah, that, 
again, Pathfinder is the number one OSR game in terms of sales ever because it's it's based off of third edition, which is based off of first edition, so it meets the criteria for an OSR game. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, dude, I I might have to check out. Temple of the Mud Sorcerer, Tomb of the Mud Sorcerer, or whatever, because I, I love putting puzzles in my game. But one of the reasons... <laughs> who looks up puzzles during a game, man? That sucks. That totally sucks. That's like reading ahead in the module. There, There is no difference. Or, or, or is that player skill? Anyway, <laughs> we don't need to get back to that discussion. That just, that's a bummer, man. But... Thank you for the recommendation for uh, the Mud Sorcerer. That sounds dope. I will check it out. Puzzles and games are rad. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about puzzles and games. And favorite puzzle. You know, I got to admit, I'm a pretty low-brow gamer. I like to get into a game, enjoy the social banner back and forth, enjoy the other players, and um, have fun. I don't mind having a brain teaser now and then. I don't know if I have a favorite puzzle that I've encountered or that I've thrown at my players. Um, and to be honest, I haven't really pulled puzzles off super successfully as a DM, I have to admit. So, yeah, I don't think I have a favorite puzzle in an RPG, which is kind of a shame. So maybe you can fix that for me. Well, that's cool, man. You don't need to have a favorite. And I also don't think playing role-playing games because you like hanging out with fun people and having a good time makes you a lowbrow gamer, dude. Not in the least bit. It just makes you a gamer. Um, yeah, I, I think there is far, far, far too much emphasis put on, ooh, what type of gamer are you? I, I, I think that, for the most part, is not very important. Uh, and There are whole books written about how it is important, and I, I've read parts of some of those books and I'm like, yeah, no. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Um, but if you're, if you are interested in puzzles, I do, I highly recommend checking out Wally DM on YouTube. Uh, check out his early videos, like the first 30 or so they're, they're really cool. They're easy to run. He sets them all. If, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, I don't know. I think they're fantastic. He's got some really, Really unique puzzles in there. Plus, he's a vet, so that's cool. Support the vets, you know? Um, but yeah, man. So in my episode where I talked about puzzles, I presented a puzzle. I gave some very, very vague hints at a, at a very unknown type of monster. And I put it out there to see if anyone could pick up on what type of monster I was talking about. And I got a couple calls. So let's, let's hear from Carl and Jason, see if they got it. Hey, Joe, I can't believe you're falling for that old trope that the young woman exploits the old man and has him off like a black widow. I mean, do you think Pathfinder would do that? They're not known for their sexist tropes. Um, I do remember that encounter in the alley, and that was kind of one of the coolest encounters that I was. we were able to run. I think it might have been the last one that we were able to run. We were doing our play-by-post of Curse of the Crimson Throne. And in that game, uh, Jason Hobbs's character was the hero. No one knew he was like a priest, and he was able to 
you know, positive energy blast uh, these uh, creatures. Um, I know what they are, but I'm not going to guess because, well, I've run it and read it. So, so yeah, uh, there you go. Uh, it sounds really fun, and I'm glad you're having fun running, playing Curse of the Crimson Throne. Hey, Joe, Jason here. So, you asked what your mystery monster was, the puzzle. You guys thought that there's a nest and if there's one. So, is that one, if you invited it to a dinner party and you handed a glass of Merlot, would it say, I never drink vine? Or did the Europeans do a whole subgenre of movies built around lesbian versions of these? Inquiring minds want to know, but I think you know what I'm getting at. And that's my guess to your puzzle. I don't drink vine. <laughs> yeah, I think I know what you're getting at. Uh, for sure, dude. I, I Though I have not seen very many movies about lesbian, this type of monster. I'm still not going to say it's too mysterious. Carl, Carl thinks he knows too. Uh, yeah, and both of those guys are right. <laughs> it's not a big mystery, but it's fun. It's fun. And Carl, dude, having a secret cleric in your party is awesome. I wish we would have had one during that fight because the party makeup is an alchemist a fighter a sorcerer and a rogue so yeah fighting undead is not really our strong suit luckily i had a bunch of fire bombs so we were able to i think the fire was messing with them some though i'm not 100 percent. something something was screwing with the monsters and i think it was the fire but i'm not 100 percent sure but yeah no you dudes were right on so <laughs> congratulations way to go anyway yeah, all right. So let's let's change let's change pace a little bit. Let's talk about some stuff uh, that I've been learning on roll twenty. Because, like I said, well, you'll 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 hear. I'll, I'll go into it. But yeah, let let's talk about what I've been learning. So it's sort of raining, but kind of snowing. It's a little bit of both <laughs> on a gray, chilly day. Go for a little walk. And yeah, let me talk about some of the stuff I've been learning on Roll20 uh, in more specific terms. So the most recent thing I learned, which is sort of a game changer for me, maybe. We'll see in its implementation. But I just realized, and many of you, when you hear this, might be like, duh. So you know how when on Roll20... The maps have three different layers, right? There's the map layer where you put down, you know, all the background and everything. There's the token layer, which the players and the GM, they could see that and the players can interact with stuff on the token layer. And then there's the GM layer where just the dungeon master can see it and move stuff around and then bring stuff to the token level. So I realized that if you need to take notes on a map like you know to write down how hard it is to unlock a door or climb a wall or how deep something is or notes for like room descriptions you could put all that on the gm layer and you'll be able to see it and the players won't it's awesome <laughs> it's really cool man uh you know like if you're going through 
a pre-written dungeon, a pre-made dungeon, for example, and the dungeon rooms are all numbered, you could have the numbers, you could have the rooms numbered on the GM layer, and that way the players won't be like, okay, this is one, that's two, so we'll go there second, three's over there, we'll go there third. You know, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> Very basic, probably, but you know, that's how I roll. It's gorilla, gorilla roll 20, right? Roll 20 punk. That's what it is. <laughs> but the other thing I've been doing a lot of is uh, when you're searching for images on roll 20, it'll bring up, you know, stuff that you could pay for, but then it's got a lot of stuff that it just pulls off the web and you could just grab those images and pull them onto the map. You know, like if you're searching for rocks or rubble or something, like I've been building a lot of caves lately. <laughs> but if you're doing that, you could just search for rock on roll 20 and it'll bring up a little image of a rock for free, drag it onto the map, copy it, bam, 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 paste it all over the place. Boom, got yourself a little rock. You then can change the background, uh, you know, the base color, when you first go to the map page, it's white with the grid, uh, which is just the most eye-melting color ever. White sucks. But you can change it to black, like if you're in a cave and it's all dark, or even if it's a nighttime adventure, you can make the, the floor basically black and have a gray or a white grid going. Um, or if you're in a forest, you can make it green, or if you're, you know, on the sea, you could make it blue. Very cool, very primitive. That's how I roll. For the most part, what I'm doing is still how someone would draw it on a battle map, you know, if live at the table, drawing directly on a grid with a, with a marker. I just... <laughs> I now get to have fun grabbing pictures of like, oh, I'm going to put a bed here and a blood stain there and a spooky altar here. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's very satisfying when I get something put together. Uh, and it's very soothing to be like, oh, I just need, I, I need to crook this blood stain a little to the left. Perfect. <laughs> You know, they don't have everything on Roll20. I've searched for... I've searched for plenty of stuff that they don't have. But I've been able to do what I consider... Wonders <laughs> with my skills and what Roll20 has. I've also been able to... Uh, I figured out, well... I just realized that I could search for like... You know, say I need to build a shop, right? I don't want to just have the regular map be the floor for the shop. So I can search like wooden floor or stone floor and it'll bring up an image of that, drag that over onto the map, make it however big I need the shop to be. You know, if it's like a 10 by 10 shop, set the, uh, go to set dimensions and set the units to 10 by 10 and boom, you got yourself a 10 by 10 wood floor that the grid shows up on. Uh, and you can just add stuff to it. It rules. It's so much fun. 
so yeah, that's, that's some of the specifics that I've learned because I've spoken in general terms that I've learned a lot and stuff, but that's some of the specifics. So I don't know if any of that's useful. That's all probably basic knowledge for people that are good at using Roll20, but for me, it's been a game changer. Uh, it's made what I thought I wouldn't be able to do possible, so that's always fun. Yeah, learning new stuff is awesome. I've been dealing with a big tech issue at work and I was finally able to figure it out today on my own. I felt really good about that because I've been feeling really down in the dumps about this whole thing because it's this crazy tech issue. If I didn't get it fixed by Friday, I wouldn't really be able to do my job anymore <laughs> for a while till it got fixed. So I'm pleased that I got that figured out, but you know what? You know what isn't getting smarter? <laughs> you know what's not getting smarter? Is Siri. You know why I never will fear the robot uprising? Because they're dumb. <laughs> they are programmed by humans and we are dumb. So I use Siri a lot, right? I, I ask her for spelling when I'm writing actual stuff and not writing in a hurry on Discord or something, I ask Siri how to spell words quite frequently because here's something that you might not think about. Spelling is very, very visually dependent. That guy's a fucking ass, just ran a red light. Uh, anyway, if you see words every day all the time, spelling's pretty easy. But if you don't actually see the words, you just hear the words, spelling gets a little trickier. So, you know, I generally have headphones in. Just a quick thing. How do you spell anti-disestablishmentarianism? Something like that, right? Normally, it's pretty good. Siri's pretty good about it. But lately, as of the most recent update to iOS, uh, She's gotten dumber. So what am I talking about? Check this out. How do you spell annoying? Annoying. A-N-N-O-Y-I-N. How do you spell wrong? Wrong. W-R-O-N. How do you spell suck? There are two words pronounced like that. O-R-M-A-N-N-O-R-M. Yup. I love how Colin and Rob will call into my show with some lovely nature sounds and bird calls in the background. You guys get traffic from me. <laughs> Walking down Aurora, man. This is the uh, the seedy section of town for sure. I talked about this street before because I it's right by my house. <laughs> it's where a bunch of stuff is. So, but uh, dudes, okay, did you catch that? She drops the last letter of every word all of a sudden. What is that? What is that? Like that's why I don't fear the robot apocalypse because something like that will happen. Uh, yeah, man. 
So, I don't know. And then with suck, and she's done that with other words. We'll ask, I'll ask, how do you spell this word? She's like, no, two words that sound like that. O, M, N, like, what is going on there, man? Really, really frustrating. But it's, it's just, yeah, we all have our crosses to bear, right? And yet we strive and get through and get to the weekend and play some sweet games because it is my birthday week. It is Tuesday, February 1st, 2022, as I record this. Uh, my birthday's coming up this weekend. I'm going to play an awesome game of Wrath of the Righteous with a few of my very special friends. After that, who knows? Maybe I'll go out with some of my other special friends. I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but I can't wait. I'm even more excited because the next two sessions, this coming up session and the next one are taking place on back-to-back weekends because of scheduling issues. Normally we're every other weekend, but this time we're going back-to-back weekends and that gets me super excited because two weeks in between a great game is a long time (laughs) and I miss those guys and I miss the game and I want them to see all the stuff I've done because I've done a bunch of stuff and things are about to get live right session one happened a bunch of bunch of shenanigans ensued but now it's time to start getting into the meat of this first book and start just yeah, seeing what the hell's going on and trying to trying to get things figured out. I know Jason says I'm going to give a bunch of spoilers, and I did give a spoiler for the intro scene, but I'm not I'm not going to give a whole bunch. Shit, I just dropped my keys, found them. I'm not going to give a whole bunch of spoilers uh, because it is Wrath of the Righteous is such a fantastic adventure. I do want people to play it. So I won't talk too much about it. I'm just, oh, I, so far, I love it. <laughs> Granted, we played one session of the first book, but what are you going to do? So this mishmash of an episode is coming to an end. Uh, thank you to my callers, to Spike Pit, to Carl, and to Jason. I appreciate you dudes. Thank you to Siri for being annoying as hell. Uh, But most importantly, thank you to all of you for listening. You know, that's what it's all about. It's talking with each other, talking about gaming, playing games. I'm about to be 44 years old, and I'm having fun building little playhouses on the computer. (laughs) 44 is such a blah birthday, right? Like, 40, that's a big deal. 42, you're the answer to life, the universe, and everything. 43 kind of sucks. 44 kind of sucks. 45, that's a thing. 45 sounds like a cool age. Yeah, man, but 44, got the the blah. And it's not about, I don't mind getting older. I've never worried about that. Um, It's just this birthday week so far has been, I, I understand it's only Tuesday, which is the, you know, the second day of the week. 
So I'm sure it'll get better, but so far it's just been very, very blah. Um, yeah, you know, I'm pleased with myself that I was able to get that tech issue at work figured out. Um, like that's a huge weight off my mind. Uh, I'm pleased that I got a session of Curse of the Crimson Throne tomorrow and then session two of Wrath of the Righteous on Saturday. So things could be a hell of a lot worse, right? You could be walking uphill in the kind of rain, kind of snow. <laughs> no. Anyway, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to each other, hug somebody you love on Saturday. It's my birthday. Give them a hug for me. Tell them I say happy birthday to them. Uh, that'll weird them out. Just <laughs> anyway. Oh, it's going to get steep. I will talk to you all soon. And until then, peace out. Peace out.